So if you're a residential real estate investor, have you thought about transitioning from investing in residential real estate to commercial real estate? Well, now might be the time. We're going to talk about that today on Real Estate Revenue. Hey everybody, this is Paul Airy. Welcome to this episode of Real Estate Revenue. And today we're going to talk about uh, the real estate market in general, what it's doing, where it's going, uh, and why now might be a time for you to transition away from investing in residential real estate, if that's what you do, uh, and get into commercial real estate investing. So there's been a lot of talk lately about housing. And as usual, housing is about all anyone can talk about when it comes to real estate. They seem to kind of just pass uh, pass over the commercial real estate market. In some, in some uh, instances, that's a good thing. Uh, it's probably better that we don't get any more attention than we're getting in commercial real estate. So uh, where is the real estate market today? When will it crash? Notice I didn't say, will it crash? I said, when will it crash? It always crashes because we, it runs in cycles. About every 10 years or so, we have a strong downturn in uh, real estate in residential and commercial. And typically it comes in the form of a really steep, like going off a cliff, more of a crash, like it did in 08, 07 and 08. But there are too many variables out there to predict when it's going to happen or how bad it's going to be. Now, here are some of the variables. There's the government. That's the biggest variable and most likely going to be the biggest catalyst of a crash. Politicians, uh, they just can't seem to keep their hands off of a free market. They just can't stand it that that, um, they don't have complete control over something. And they're going to try to gain more control, and they're doing it right now. And that's one of the things we're going to get to here in a minute. Uh, There's banks, uh, lenders. And the Federal Reserve and the money supply and the interest rates. I'm sure a lot of you have seen in the last couple of years that a lot of action has been going on in those areas. Um, The uh, interest rates definitely being manipulated, not a product of a free market. And what do you do about that manipulation? Well, we really can't stop it unless you want to get rid of the Federal Reserve and take away their control of the money supply. Um, that's where that manipulation is coming from. Uh, other variables, supply and demand, inflation, deflation, and do we have more lockdowns coming? Who knows? Uh, we've got, uh, you know, the, the vaccine Nazis out there wanting everyone to get a vaccine and, and, uh, barring people from certain businesses if you don't have one. So those are the variables that can affect the real estate market. 
and that will affect it in the coming months. Uh, eviction moratoriums. Now, the Supreme Court struck them down twice. Struck down the first, uh, the, the CDC ban, saying the CDC didn't have the authority to do it. Then what does our president do? He turns right around and tells him to do it again, and it gets struck down again a lot faster than they thought it was going to happen. Thankfully, one thing the Supreme Court said was, if you want to do an eviction ban, you have to go through Congress. Well, maybe they will. Who knows? If they go through Congress, then we could have another one. This has greatly damaged property owners. It has hurt them financially landlords, people who own property that they rent to tenants to live in. So if they do come up with another way for another eviction moratorium, it's going to happen to these landlords, these property owners. They're still paying mortgage payments. They're still paying property taxes, insurance, maintenance costs, all that stuff. They have to keep paying while the tenant tenant does not pay anything and can't get kicked out. And to make that worse, Billions, tens of billions of dollars have been distributed out to the state in rent relief that's supposed to eventually get in the hands of the landlords to pay rent for these people that can't pay it. But guess what? Only less than 10% of that money has been distributed by the state. So they're holding on to it for some reason. And my guess is the lockdowns that happened last year also included a lot of Uh, state and local government offices that weren't operating. People were working from home. And when they do that, they don't have the infrastructure in place to distribute billions of dollars and do it in a responsible manner. So they pretty much had their hands tied. We're going to give you these billions of dollars. You get them out to the landlords, but you can't go to work. So the money is sitting there. And who's suffering from that? The property owner, the landlords. Now, these properties are all residential. Some are commercial. The commercial ones are apartments. Don't forget apartments, five units and above, are commercial properties. Uh, Apartment properties used to be one of the lowest risk commercial real estate investments that you could get into with one of the highest returns. Not anymore. Now, the vast majority of them are still doing okay. They're still collecting rent. When you have uh, four or 500 tenants and, and uh, 10 to 20% of them aren't paying rent, you're probably going to survive it, but it hurts. It's, it's hurting the bottom line. It's hurting the value of those properties. Property values will come down because commercial properties are valued based on the net operating income. When your net operating income goes down 20%, guess what? So does your property value. So if those people want to go to sell that property, they might lose money on the sale. They might be stuck with it for a while. So if you're a person that owns rent houses, especially if you're uh, one of the people that had an eviction moratorium affecting you, this might be a time to sell that property because the demand for houses is high, the prices are high. Now, if it were me... I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice, but I am a real estate broker and an investor. If I owned a bunch of rent houses or if I owned one or two rent houses, I would be selling them right now. I would sell them while the prices are high, take that money and put it into a different kind of property. 
I would put it into a property that people do not live in because commercial properties were left out of the eviction moratorium except for apartments and in a few select states they saw fit to have eviction moratoriums for some retail and office buildings and things like that, uh, other commercial properties. And I'm talking about places like New York and I think California did the same thing. And those those properties, uh, people tend to forget about those. Politicians tend to forget about them. And I think they're not forgetting about them. I think they're purposely skipping over those because a lot of these politicians, a lot of congressmen, a lot of people in Congress, both houses of Congress, a lot of them own commercial real estate. That's why we have such good tax benefits for commercial real estate owners. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is, you know, the tax savings are a big incentive for people to invest in commercial real estate and build new commercial properties and create jobs. Uh, but uh, some of that reason, some of the uh, cause for the the amazing tax benefits we get on commercial real estate comes from the fact that uh, some of the people in Congress own commercial real estate. So I would take, if I owned rent houses, I would sell those, get as much cash as I could out of those. I would do 1031 exchanges on those and uh, take that money and put it into commercial property. Now, 1031 exchange, if you're not familiar with those, when you sell a property, you can do this 1031 exchange. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's in the tax code. You have six months to buy another property with the money that you got out of the property that you sold, and you can uh, buy a new property, go to a bigger property, and not pay any taxes on your profit from the first one, from the sale of the first property. So it's a great way to move up in real estate. It's a great way to get to grow and not have to pay part of your profit off in taxes. That's a, It's an amazing uh, incentive to go into bigger properties, especially if you can go from rent houses to a retail center or rent houses to a storage facility, self-storage, something like that. The rent situation in 2020 in commercial properties in most states, almost all of them except for a couple, uh, the rent situation was thankfully left to landlords and tenants to negotiate through. Uh, when everyone's businesses started to, to lose business, lose traction, a lot of them were locked down, couldn't go to work, couldn't open your business, it was left to the landlord and the tenant to negotiate a reasonable solution to that problem. And that's what most of them did. Uh, I have a client and a friend who owns a lot of properties, a lot of industrial properties and some retail properties. And uh, a lot of his tenants had to come to him and say, look, look, we can't open for business. We can't do anything. We need to renegotiate. We need to do something with our, with our rent. And he was nice enough and smart enough to give them a lower rent for several months until we got out of the mess. And that's what he did. And he kept those tenants. They didn't go under, they didn't, they didn't move out. And, uh, uh he was able to keep uh, all of those tenants. He didn't lose any tenants over that. And, and that's why, because he was smart enough to, to say, well, let's cut your rent in half for the next six months and 
And then in six months, we'll see where we are and talk about it again. That's, that's what you need to do. That's what you have to do to survive in situations like this and in this kind of a time when, when uh, there's so much uncertainty. So one of the big problems, one of the big reasons I'm going to say that it's time to get out of the residential rental market, get into commercial uh, properties, is the government sticking their fingers into things that they don't belong in. They're getting into manipulating the free market as usual, what they like to try to do. So let's talk about this article. This is in the Toronto Star uh, from August 24th. And here I'll read the headline, Trudeau's housing crisis proposals won't keep prices from rising, experts say. And you go through this article and it outlines some of his proposals. They seem to think that they can curb soaring home prices. And that's the way they worded here in this article. So what they're going to do is um, add restrictions and pump in money. That's that's the only two things governments know how to do. Restrict somebody and pump in money and waste money. So Trudeau's promise here is to unlock home ownership. So here's a, here's a line from this article. Um, the market is afflicted by instabil- instability that keeps young people from buying property, he told reporters. If you work hard, if you save... That dream of having your own place should be in reach, but for but for too many people, it just isn't. Well, good grief. Let's look at a couple of statistics here. I had to look this up because I think this is just nonsense. Uh, part of the uh, no, let me let me get through this article a little bit more here. Uh, so um, what I think is going on is is they're looking for votes. And uh, looking for votes is what they always do. I mean, that's how they stay in power. So home prices are going up. Why is that? Well, it's supply and demand. There's a shortage. Interest rates are so stinking low that everybody can afford a house, or they were being able to afford a house. So they can afford more of a house than they would normally have been able to afford. So they're buying more expensive houses, and they're bidding the prices up. Uh, So uh, interest rates are a big part of the cause of this and it's, it's caused a, a supply squeeze that, that, uh, uh, I don't think we need more houses. Maybe we just need less people buying houses. Everybody thinks they have to own a house. You don't have to own a house. You could own $20 million in real estate and not own a house. Owning a house is not a requirement. I'm a real estate investor and I'm a broker and I buy investment properties. I'm renting my house right now. Uh, we moved to this new town. We didn't know if we were going to like it, so we decided, well, let's just rent for a year. And you know what? We kind of like renting a house because we don't have to pay the property taxes on it. We just pay a rent payment, and uh, we don't have to maintain it. Somebody else comes and fixes all the problems we have, and uh, I don't mind that I don't own it. Nobody knows that I don't own it. It's a nice house, 3,000 square feet, nice neighborhood. And we don't have we don't have the debt involved. We don't have a mortgage. We don't have to worry about that. So, uh, and I, you know, I don't care. I'll I'll wait until I can get the house I want. I'll be glad to rent. Um, mortgages aren't that great of a thing to have anyway, because if you have a mortgage on your house, you own a house, you got money tied up in it, and it's not giving you any cash flow. So even if you paid cash for it, that's even worse. 
Uh, I would never pay cash for a house because um, you know, you're not getting any cash flow out of it. You're not getting any return on it. And I don't give a flip about the return I'm getting in 30 years when I go to sell it and it's you know worth twice what I paid for it. I could have made 10 times more of that in that 30-year period if I'd had the, had the money in my hand. A mortgage on a house, owning a house is not as great as it sounds, really. I don't know why people want it. Um, so here are the statistics I was going to give you. In this year... In the United States, 64.8% of Americans own a home. So I got curious. How many people owned a home in 1950? Well, 55% owned a home in 1950. Plus, the population was about half of what it is now. A lot less homes owned by people. 1940, 43.6% owned a home. So we've got more home ownership now than ever before. So why is everybody whining about young people not being able to buy a house? I mean, holy crap, if you don't own a house, if you want a house and you don't own one, get a new plan and figure out how you can get one, but don't make everybody change the system so that you can go get a house. And here's what's going on in Canada. Uh, Trudeau wants to regulate house buying, of course. Let me get to his plan here. So here's the thing. So they're quoting the so-called experts. Uh, say the plan is a start, but it won't keep prices from rising. The liberals are doing their homework with this plan, but they're ultimately dodging the big question, does Canada want our home prices to rise or stall? Because restoring affordability is going to require home prices to stall, said Paul Kershaw, a professor at the University of British Columbia who founded advocacy group Generation Squeeze. Housing affordability has long been a head-scratcher for policymakers. Property costs haven't risen dramatically over the last decade, even as governments of varying political persuasions have implemented measures aimed at increasing housing supply and reducing demand politicians torn between long-term policy ambitions and popular opinion, in other words, torn between do I do what's right or do what's going to get me votes, have often found themselves balancing the needs of first-time homebuyers seeking affordable starter homes with the financial goals of homeowners, a crucial voter base who benefit significantly from rising property values. So probably the hardest home that you're ever going to buy in your life is your first home. It's always been that way. It's not ever going to change, and it shouldn't change. It's This is where you learn a lot about buying real estate, owning real estate, is when you buy your first home. Shouldn't be easy. I mean, it's, this, it's not an easy thing. You don't have any credit yet. Your income's not up very high yet because if you're in your 20s or just out of college or just out of high school, you probably don't have a lot of cash saved up Uh they, they, they seem to be intent on doing everything to make these people able to buy homes they can't afford when, and, and uh, not have any cash into the deal. That's just not how real estate works. Uh, and unfortunately, the reason we have real estate cycles and real estate crashes is because when the, the governments get involved, they just screw everything up. 
there's no silver bullet to solve the problem. Experts generally, generally agree, but Kershaw says helps to at least frame the problem as one that disproportionately hurts young people. The deck is stacked against younger Canadians, he said. Oh, my gosh. So here's some of their proposals. They're committed to building uh, 1.4 million homes within four years by easing regulations on construction and eliminating some red tape. What does that mean? Does that mean they're building codes or being downgraded or, you know, you're buying a house that's not built as well as they used to be or... Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, the party would also double the first-time homebuyer's tax credit from 5000 to 10000 as an incentive to help with the closing costs associated with buying a property. Well, what do you think that's going to do? Two things here. What I just told you, and uh, let's see. Trudeau said he would force the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation to slash mortgage insurance rates by 25%, uh, making $6,100 in savings for the average Canadian. Further, he introduced a savings account where Canadians up to the age of 40 could place up to $40,000 not subject to income tax toward their first income or toward their first home and withdraw it when it comes time to buy the property. Okay, so what do you think that's going to do? You think that's going to lower house prices? No. He's giving money to people to buy houses, so they're going to they're going to uh, have more money to offer, bid the price up some more. So, in fact, it says that further on in this article. He also wants to he presented a home, a home buyer's bill of rights that would ban blind bidding and require more disclosure from realtors who represent both the buyer and the seller. Okay, so you know what that does? And I'm not a realtor in Canada. I'm a realtor in Texas. In Texas, we are allowed to represent both buyer and seller. And um, we have to, we are not allowed to disclose the amount of offers made on a property when we have a listing on a property. Um, Unless the seller gives us permission to do that because our first responsibility is to the person we have the listing with. So what happens if you, if you are required to uh, disclose the offers made on the property, um, which is what they're talking about here, banning blind bidding, well, that means that you know you're, you're probably going to cause some harm to the seller because, I mean, if you're selling a house that's worth $300,000 and you're not getting offers of $300,000, say you're only getting offers of two fifty, um, and you want three hundred for it, but you have to disclose to everybody that the offer first offer is only two fifty. You think the next person is going to come along and offer you the three hundred? They're going to come along and offer you two fifty five or you know two sixty. And you know that you may not get the price up to three hundred. You may be asking like three twenty five with the idea in your mind you'll take three hundred. I know in this market it's not it's going the opposite way. They're going above asking price, but uh how long is this law that he's proposing gonna stay in effect? You know, the the market doesn't always work that way. Usually for most of the time the market is you put a price on higher than what you really want and somebody's going to make you a lower offer. And if you get to the price you really want, then you take it. And 
we don't know how long his law is going to, his proposed law is going to stay in effect. Is this a temporary thing or is it permanent? Uh, if it's permanent, that could really screw up their their market. Um, requiring more disclosure from realtors who represent both the buyer and seller. I don't know what that means either. Does that mean that your fiduciary responsibility to the to the listing party is gone? You're no longer responsible for keeping their information confidential and you know this is a mess that he's proposing and um, bill would also ban foreign buyers from purchasing canadian homes for the next two years and introduce here's a good one an anti-flipping tax on residential residential properties that would require homeowners to pay hefty taxes if they bought and sold their house within 12 months well what if you bought your house and six months later, your husband dies and you have to sell it because you can't pay for it anymore. Or six months later, you know, you go in the hospital with some catastrophic illness and you can't pay anymore and you have to sell it. Are you going to be subject to a hefty tax because you can't afford your house anymore? Or this just shows me that Justin Trudeau doesn't know crap about real estate. House flippers are not evil people, Okay. I don't think it's the smartest thing to do in real estate. It's not bad, but, you know, in the United States, your taxes are a lot higher if you're a flipper. But we're really doing a service to the community, and here's why. You take an old rundown piece of garbage house, and you buy it for a little bit of money, and you put tens of thousands of dollars into it, renovating it, making it a nice, beautiful house, and you put it on the market and you sell it for a lot more than what you paid for it. And uh, hope, hopefully you can make some profit. All Not all house flippers are making a, you know, a ton of money on a, on a house when they flip it. They might make 20%, 25%. Uh, they have just beautified the neighborhood and brought up property values. So why would you penalize somebody for doing that? You know what that's going to do? That's going to discourage home renovation. It's going to discourage uh, building up a neighborhood. These house flippers do a service to the to the community, to the neighborhoods that they work in, and uh, you know that's their business. Why would you penalize somebody for being in that business? If he gets this done here in Canada, I guarantee you, our idiot in chief in the United States is looking at this and thinking, well, if he gets away with it, I can do it. And that's how it starts. I mean, that's this is like uh, give a mouse a cookie. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book or read that children's book. Give a mouse a cookie, and before long, you know he's wanting a glass of milk, and he's wanting to eat dinner with you, wanting to sleep in your bed, and wanting to take take a shower in your bathroom, and and before you know it, he's moved in. Well, that's that's what's going to happen here, and this is nothing but pure. Uh, socialism, economic engineering, um, it's, this is, it's not going to work. Uh, they're going to try to make it work and, uh, it'll probably spill over into the United States. All these things are best left for the market to resolve on its own. Um, that's my opinion, but you know what? That's history. It's always worked out that anytime the government has stuck their hands in something, they've made a mess of it. Um, case in point, this last two weeks in Afghanistan, 
What a huge embarrassment to the United States. Because they just couldn't stick with the plan that was already made. They had to change it. They had to do something stupid. And they've, they've totally screwed up that country. So now, you know, we're not only just screwing up our country, we're screwing up other people's countries. And, you know, it's time for that stuff to stop. But you know what? How, how do you stop it? I hope somebody out there listening has an idea how to stop it, uh, has an idea how to make changes that make sense, uh, has an idea that maybe we should just leave the real estate market alone if uh, if uh, market prices are too high, they will come down. I'm already seeing them coming down, and we don't have to force them down. Um a lot of housing prices are already headed down. People have figured out they priced them too high. They need to drop the price, and they're dropping pretty significant amounts already. The problem is, you know, uh, hopefully it won't go too far, but if it does, somebody needs to be there to pick up the pieces, and I hope it's you and me uh, because uh, anyone standing around with cash in their pocket when the crash hits, they're going to be the ones to go in and and pick up these properties and uh, make some money on it. I really hope that's you. I hope you're able to have uh, enough resources available. If you don't, get with some friends, get some partners, get together and do it. It's an opportunity. Uh, it doesn't come around very often, about once every 10 years. And, you know, it came around in 2008. It's uh, a little bit overdue right now, but it's going to happen. And uh, you may as well be there to to pick up the pieces somebody's got to because if nobody does then it's going to be an even worse disaster somebody's going to be there to pick up the pieces to take care of these properties and uh, I really hope it's you and um, that's it for this time that's about all of my rant uh, I wanted to go further but <laughs> you know this is it's a real estate show it's not a politics show uh, maybe I should do a politics show on, an, on another podcast or something but that's kind of the state of where we are right now. I don't think anybody's going to be able to predict a time uh, or a severity of the real estate crash. Uh, everybody pretty much thinks it's coming, but we just don't know how, how big or how soon. So just be ready for it. I mean, that's the important thing. Be ready for it. It's kind of like hurricanes. If you live in a hurricane area, like unfortunately Louisiana this last week, be prepared. Think ahead. Um, when you know it's coming, you know, you move away from where the hurricane's going to hit. You go away for a couple of weeks and evacuate. You, or if you have a, if you live in a place that survives hurricanes pretty well, like Florida does, you know, you uh, board up your house and get supplies and, and uh, um, do whatever you have to do to prepare for it. Well, it's the same thing in real estate. You can prepare for this. Get with some partners now. Don't wait until it happens. Get with some partners now and start talking about it and say, hey, you know, this is going to happen. Would you like to partner on some properties when the, when, when this crash happens, be ready for it and be ready to pounce on it when it happens. Don't, don't wait until the last minute and scramble around, uh, get ready now and, and, uh, partner up with some people now, start talking about it and get some ideas going, get some discussion going and, uh, you know, get with a, uh, Get a program started. Get something started. The plan, have a strategy, and be ready. And that's it for this episode. I'll see you next time on Real Estate Revenue.